Uh, enjoyed the music today. It was a blessing and enjoyed my time with you. Um, this morning I was speaking about the love of God and, and one of the thoughts that um, has uh, been a blessing to me is sometimes I would think in the past that if I lived a good enough life and I already knew I was going to heaven, but uh, I live a good enough life consistently enough and win enough people to Christ and I really work at it, that God will like me more. But one day I realized that God already likes me with an infinite love. Because He didn't start loving us when we were uh, getting our act together. He loved us when we were sinners. Romans 5.8 But God commendeth His love toward us, and while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So amen for that. Now let's take our Bibles this evening, and let's turn to Exodus chapter 2, and let's stand together. Out of respect for the Lord and His Word, we um, uh, today uh, had a good time at Wawa for lunch, his pastor's favorite restaurant, and uh, had a little fellowship there. And um, I couldn't believe that he ordered a large coffee when I was paying, but uh, anyway, uh, we had hot dog coffee for lunch and enjoyed that a lot. So uh, anyway, we really had, had a wonderful time together. Uh, you have a wonderful pastor, a really... Really love being with Pastor and his wife, respect them. And uh, I like flowers, so I like blooms. So, uh, anyway, so. All right, let's look at Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. And uh, um, I want to begin reading at verse 1. And when a man of the house of Levi and took to him a wife of the daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she had him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the figs by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter Pharaoh came down to wash him herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we ask again that your spirit uh, would move. There are people that have prayed for this very service tonight. There are many who um, may be even praying now. And so, Lord, we ask uh, that you would respond to those prayers and that you would stir our hearts and give us what we need. Thank you for the opportunity for me to be here. Uh, Brother Richard, my friend, be being here next week and uh, those who will be preaching in this uh, season uh, Lord, pointing toward Christ. We pray this would be a wonderful month. We pray, Lord, for your blessing on the cantata, that it would be greatly used in greater measure than ever before. 
Pray, Lord, for visitors to come, that you give the people of mind work to invite visitors, and that you would bless the efforts and that souls would be saved. Thank you, Lord, for praying. Pray, prayers already lifted up for my wife, and I pray, Lord, you'd answer that prayer as she'd back on her feet very soon and traveling again. So, Lord, we thank you and praise you for your love, for your goodness, and now, Lord, we ask for you to move in this service tonight. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you, and you can be seated. Years ago, there was a man who was traveling by horse and buggy, and uh, while he was traveling, he was a wealthy man. There was, he spied or saw a, a team of bandits up ahead, and he knew that they were up to mischief, and he assumed he would be robbed. And he was right. As the bandits approached, he had a lot of wealth he was going to lose if they saw it, and they did see the majority of it. So the story is said that he asked his daughter to put her valuable bracelet, which was very valuable, in her mouth and not say a word, and she did. The bandits came and sure enough took everything, took the buggy, took the horses, but did, praise the Lord, leave them alive. And when they left, the man said to the daughter, Now, take that bracelet out of your mouth. And she did. And he said, I am so glad that you obeyed me right away, that you put that in your mouth. We would have lost the bracelet, but the bracelet would be able to give us enough to live on for some time. I'm so glad that you were obedient right away. And then he says, Too bad that your mother wasn't here, because if she'd have been here, we could have saved the horse and buggy. (laughs) Now... That, let's be honest, is an Andy Bloom joke, okay? But um, what a silly story, and uh, obviously um, just a a joke in a way. But there are people that uh, have a mouth, and they use it for valuable things. And there are people that have a mouth, and they use it for very terrible things. Now, in this passage, there's a wonderful woman who used her mouth. She didn't stick a bracelet in it. She used her mouth to speak. And when she spoke up, it saved her brother's life. It saved the lives of many others. And it's because she used her voice, and it was just one voice. It was just one person speaking up at the time that she needed to speak up. And the future was in the moment. If she'd have kept silent, Moses would have died. If she spoke, Moses would have lived. And she spoke and got used that one voice in a wonderful way. Now this evening, I think it's very important that we all understand that we've got a tool, each one of us, it's a voice. And if we speak up and we use it, great things can happen. If we don't, then great things will be passed by and lost. Opportunities will be gone. So we need to speak, and particularly when it comes to the salvation of the lost, the future is in the moment. I was in Liberia earlier this year, and that's when my wife got sick, and uh, praise the Lord, we saw over 100 people come to know Christ. But one great opportunity that just I remember cherished was I was out on the rooftop and a cook had been there all week and outside feeding us. And I've been working my way in, hopefully giving the opportunity to witness to him. And I was down to the end and I thought, do I take the moment? How do I do this? And I spoke 
and I got to win him to Christ. And so I said, hey, Eric, Eric, and we were outside. I said, look up there. I said, how many stars are there? He said, I don't know. I said, God does. And the Bible says that he calls them all by name. And then I said, Eric, how many people are there in the world? And he says, well, I don't know. And I said, God does, but he also knows them all by name. And I said, and he knows you by name. And the Bible teaches, Eric, that he wants you to be in heaven. And then I was able to turn to John chapter 3, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, and the one of Jesus. But the power was in the moment. The future was in that second. If I had not spoke, he would not have gotten saved that day. But I spoke and God used it. Now in this passage, I want to challenge us about our voice. And I want to challenge us about the importance of your voice. Now in this passage, we've read it in verse 6 and 7. It says, when she opened up this ark and the child began to cry, the sister Miriam was standing by and said, shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? Now, when she spoke, the princess of Egypt began to think, maybe I can help this baby. Maybe this is a good plan. Now, here is a woman that is the son, the daughter of the very man that made the decree that all of the Hebrew children would be killed. So it was likely being the daughter of the man who made the decree that she was thinking, oh, it's a Hebrew. I probably should kill this baby. But she spoke, and God used that to turn her heart to save the baby. Now, in addition to that, it also affected the entire nation because, in a sense, Moses grew up and he became the deliverer of the nation of Israel. But it is also true that that terrible edict of killing all of the babies that were born came to an end. Now, when did that edict come to an end? It is likely being the daughter of Pharaoh. She talked to her daddy and said, Daddy, this is terrible that we are killing all of these little babies. Daddy, this has to stop. And I believe that her speaking up in that moment saved Moses' life, saved the future of the nation, and saved all of the Hebrew boys. Why? Because she spoke. Now, the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, listen to this verse, and let's embrace this, and let's just let it sink in, and let this be something that really lodges and connects with our soul tonight. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, as you look at history, it affirms that death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you look at creation, you see in the beginning, God said, let there be light. Now, in the Hebrew, which I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I can read the scholars, it says that he did not say, let there be light. He just said, light, and spoke it into existence. There was power and life in the voice. He said, firmament, and it came. Fish, birds, two great lights, sun, moon, and stars. And he spoke it. There was life 
in his voice. Now then as you continue, it is affirmed by many stories in Scripture. The Bible says the Asher was sitting there with Ahasuerus, the king. And while they were having that supper, you remember she said, O king, please spare my life from those who would like to take it and spare my family and my people from those who would like to take our lives. And Ahasuerus says, well, who is it that would dare to try to take the life of the queen and the people of the queen? And she spoke this wicked Haman. And when she spoke, the whole nation was saved. Everybody follow me? She spoke. She what? She spoke. She used her voice. Now, we may not be in that kind of a situation, but there's life in our voice. And as we go through the Bible, the illustrations are everywhere. The Bible says that Peter at Pentecost lifted up his voice and he said, These men are not drunk with wine. It's only the ninth hour. It says, This is that which the prophet spoke of. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, you have taken with wicked hands, has slain. And he spoke, and 3,000 souls were saved and added to the church. He spoke, and there was life. And this is not just me. It's true. It's not just something that is a cool or neat thought. It is something that we need to understand and, and accept and embrace. And it needs to get in our soul that it's more than just we're supposed to witness. There is life in it if we do. And there is death if we do not. Now, the stories in the scriptures. In Acts 27, 31, Paul said to the centurion and to all the soldiers when they ship. And everybody said, hey, we're going to drown. And what did Paul say? Hey, God told me, if you don't stay in the ship, you're all going to die. And 276 people lived. Why? He spoke, and there was power in that voice. And there was life in that voice. Now, we need to tell people everywhere that unless you get in the ship of salvation through Christ, you will die. And if we can get them to Jesus, there's life in that voice. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. He spoke, and then he gave the gospel. And even if you look at Jesus, you see this over and over, and let it hit your heart. Don't let it just be something that you affirm to be true. Understand what this could mean for you and for me and how this could be applied to us that there is life in our voice. All right, here's Jesus. Had he not spoken, the woman taken in an adultery, what would have happened to her? She would have been killed. She would have been stoned. The storm would have not been calmed. You can calm somebody's storm if you'll speak and you'll see who's going through it and you'll speak and you'll calm their storm. There's life in the voice. Zacchaeus, if Christ had not spoken, would have continued to thief. The lame man would have never gotten out of his bed. And 
Also, the lepers would be dead. And he spoke, and he got out of his bed, and the lepers were healed. And then you look at the other situations of even people in their sadness when Jesus spoke. Had Jesus not spoken and used that voice which had life in it and death in it, Miriam and Martha, Mary and Aunt Martha would have been sad the rest of their life, weeping over the loss of their brother. Lazarus would have stayed in the grave. But he spoke and he said in Luke chapter 11, Lazarus, come forth. And when he spoke, he arose. And there was life in his voice. Now, we're not Jesus, but the Bible says in Proverbs to every man, to every person, death and life are in the power of the voice. But this verse applies for us mostly to our witnessing, to another soul, using our tongue. There's life and there's death in it. And here's what we need to understand, folks. Our tongues. Our tongues. If we speak and we do it, it could change the future for people everywhere. And if you speak and you do it and you use your voice, even if it changes the future of one's eternity, wouldn't it be worth speaking? And we have to challenge people to speak. And that's what I'm challenging us with tonight. Now, we need a lot of good preachers. Now, what is a good preacher? Somebody who's loud. Someone who's fiery. Someone who's funny. Someone who's intense. Someone who's interesting. Someone who's clever. Someone who's short. Only preaches just 20 minutes. In that case, I will never be a good preacher. Who is a good preacher? Someone who's funny, someone who's clever, someone who's interesting, someone who's good looking, someone who's dynamic. Who is a good preacher? All those things, any of those things? No. Who is a good preacher? Take heed to thyself and to the doctrine, continue in it, and doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And who is a good preacher? Someone who gives the doctrine and lives the doctrine. He lives it and he gives it. Now follow me. We need good preachers. And I do hope that some of you younger men will consider we've got a dearth of preachers. And everybody's chasing after something that's not all that impressive. There's not life in just having a bunch of money. There's no life in a Ferrari. And your life is not going to make life and death based on your income and your pocketbook in itself. But the eternal things are affected by the voice. And that is the most powerful thing that you could pursue. Life instead of death. And make your life count for life. Now, we need good preachers, but I tell you what we really need. We need good soul winners. Now, the fact is, we have preachers behind the pulpits, but we don't have good soul winners out there in the community. And often, we'll find people trying to motivate their people to get out there and be involved in soul winning. And I do it every time I'm here, and Richard Harper will do it when he's here, 
and my father-in-law will do it when he's here. And we do this because we need good soul winners. I was in a church of 250 people, and you know how many people went soul winning out of 250 there? When we had a church visitation time three, the pastor, the evangelist, and the pastor's wife. Now, out of 250 people, I think there probably were a few more people that could have been there and used their voice. Now, a scalpel in the hands of a surgeon has life in it. A fireman will catch a man with a fireman's net, and that's his tool to have life and sustain life. A Christian will use his voice to reach his soul, and there's life in his voice. Now, we find that there is a need for good soul winners. I remember reading about D.L. Moody and he was preaching a sermon, and he was talking to the lay people of that church where he was speaking, the congregation, and he talked to them about soul winning. And as he was preaching to them about soul winning, he made this statement. Some of you think that I'm trying to get someone to go soul winning or to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said it's something like this. We don't need a soldier. We need an army. We don't need one person to take the responsibility. We need each of us to take up this responsibility. We need it. Now, we've heard preaching on this, and we do it, and we fall away. Well, I'm here to say, let's do it, because we have a voice, and there's life in the voice. Now, as we look at this, um, there is this basket, there is this baby, and there is this older sister, and she spoke, and it made all the difference in the future. Had she not spoken, Moses would have been dead. The Israelites would have not been delivered through Moses, and perhaps the males in the future would all have been killed. But she spoke, and there was life in her voice. Now, the second thing that I want to look at, though, is found in verse 5 and 6. Let's take a look at that. All right, in verse 5 and 6, it says, The daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maiden walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. When she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, get this little phrase, the babe, what? Wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. All right, now back up to verse 2. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a what? Goodly child, she hid him for three months. Now, what I want to look at, secondly, that I'm reminded of and that we all need to be reminded of is the insufficiency of the voice. Now, if all we do is get a pep talk here saying, okay, let's get out there. Okay, we'll get out there. But we don't address this in our hearts, and I don't address this in my heart as an evangelist. We're not going to be effective. There will be no life in our voice. We have to recognize our insufficiency, the insufficiency of the voice in itself. 
Now, you've got to have God working through you. You can't just make things happen on your own. You've got to have God working. Now, if she'd have just said, hey, why don't you let me get a Hebrew mother? Without God moving her heart to do it, it wouldn't have happened. Now, God was working in many different ways. Put the baby in the basket. In the what? The water. Now, what could have gone wrong with a baby by itself in a pool of water? A lot. Here's a river of water. You know what that means? It's probably moving. So what could have happened? A lot. And on top of that, the baby is crying, so the baby is moving. What could have happened with a three-month-old baby moving around in the ark? It could have tipped. And there are also alligators, no doubt. Because in that part of the country, they do throw their babies alive to the alligators. Why do you think he said, throw that baby into that river? Because the Pharaoh wanted them dead. And they would either drown or they would be consumed. Now, here's a baby in the bulrush, in a moving river, in a condition with nobody feeding it anymore. Here's the baby with alligators around and what appears to be the worst thing that could ever happen, the one who is the daughter of the very man who ordered his death comes along. Now, how did God preserve this baby Moses? God pinched that little baby on the arm at just the right moment so that when the baby cried, she says, what is that? And then she looks that way in the bulrushes and goes around until she sees what it is. And she says, what in the world is that? Sounds like there's a baby in there. And tells somebody to go fetch it. She happened to come by at just the right time or else Jesus pinched him just the right time. And I'm telling you, God was in the baby crying. And then when she opened up that basket, she saw, as the mother saw, no doubt, a beautiful baby. Now, if it had been a baby that looked like Pastor, she used to say, throw him in the river. But it was a goodly baby. I personally think that God even works in the way that we look. And I think that God made me extremely handsome or Becky would have never married me. Now, that's a definite joke. But the parents had been moved because it was a goodly child to save the child. Pharaoh's daughter moved to pick up the baby. God protecting the baby from the alligator, protecting the baby from tipping, protecting the baby from dying from lack of food and lack of water. And God was working to the salvation of that one. Now, we need God working in our voice. I can remember when I was in a restaurant, Steak and Shake. And a deacon was asking me, Brother, could you take me out and teach me how to witness to people? I said, I'll do the best I can. And so we went out, and I did the best I could trying to explain my approach. And I think everybody's approach is different, and we can just develop it into our own approach. But it all has to be Christ-centered. But yet, as we're talking, I said, for instance... I'm the kind of guy who's pretty comfortable going up to people I don't know. And so I could go up to, like that man right over there, in the 
uh, red shirt, and he has that beard and the red hair. I said, I could go up there, and I could sit down right there, and I could just show you I know how to do it. Watch me do it. And I could go sit down, and I could probably work him up into a conversation and talk to him about God. But I said, if God's not in it, it would be more, uh, it would be worthless. So I've got to follow the Holy Spirit and His prompting and not just try to do it on my own. And so as I'm talking to them, I go through the gospel then a little bit, teaching them how I share my faith. And this man stands up and he walks away. And as he walks away, the Holy Spirit hit me. Boom! You can't talk about that person's soul and not try to do something to help him. And the Lord said, you got to do something. So I said, oh. And I looked for a gospel track. I didn't have any. I had not had any left. And I said, do you have any gospel tracks on you? He says, no, I don't have any. I said, wait here. I can't talk about him and not try to help him. And so I went out to my truck and I was looking for a track and I didn't have any left in the truck. And the only thing I could find was a sermon CD that I had preached. And this was after I had looked for probably three or four minutes and I walked out there a minute and then I had to walk in a minute. And I'm thinking five to 10 minutes has gone by. This guy's going to be gone. But I'll bring it just in case. So I go in, and I see him, and he's still there. And he's sitting right over there as I walk in the door, and he's sitting on a bench. He had already paid over here, and now he was sitting on the bench over here, and he had his hands on his head, and he was seated looking down at the ground. And so I thought, wow, he's still here. And so I said, God, help me. And I walk up to him, and I put my hand on his shoulder, and he looks up at me. And I said, you don't know me, do you? Now, that might be an odd way to start. And he goes, no, I don't. And I said, well, I'm a preacher. And I felt like God wanted me to give this to you. And I gave it to him. And he started wailing and weeping, and his whole body shaking. And you know what he said? I was just sitting here praying, God, what do I do? God, what do I do? He had just that day been divorced. Just that day lost his house and lost his job, and he lost everything dear to him. And he was sitting there literally at that moment praying, God, what do I do? And I walk up as a preacher and I hand him this CD entitled, God is Your Best Friend. Now, God was in my voice. It wasn't me. It was God. The insufficiency of my voice, myself, but the sufficiency if God is in our voice. Now, how important is it that we are right with God? There's life and death in our voice, but our sins can shut it down. Do cigarettes matter that much? It does if you want your voice to be empowered by God. Does a can of beer really matter all that much? You can go to heaven as a Christian if you drink a can of beer and you're not a drunk. Being a drunk with wine or a success and that's your verse you'd like to pull out. You can drink a can of beer and go to heaven. But you're not going to have the power of God on your voice when you're sinning against God. 
And so we have to understand the importance of our being connected to God and that we are not doing these things on our own and that we are not doing anything to hinder our voice. Now, when I look at Moses, Moses went to God and he said, I don't know if I can do this. And he said, I'm not a very good speaker. Anybody ever feel that way? And so, send my brother. And everybody feels that way at times to times. But God said to Moses in Exodus 4 and verse 15, I will be with thy mouth. And will be with his mouth. And so he was with Moses' mouth, and he was with Aaron's mouth, and he will be with our mouth if we rely on him. Now, folks, listen. I know that we can hear things and hear things and not let them lodge. If we look at this tonight, I was thinking, what would happen if maybe tonight we don't see anybody saved, but maybe tonight God uses this message or these thoughts from our scriptures and five people go out this week and they use their voice. Or let's say that this challenge comes and ten people go out and use their voice. And they don't just do it this week, but they do it. And they keep doing it. This very message tonight could result in a hundred plus people being in heaven instead of hell. Now we have got to understand that when we try to do it, we have to be right with God. We have to be prayed up and that God will be with our voice if we meet the conditions and we want to meet the conditions i can remember when i was training evangelism i was traveling with my father-in-law evangelist ron comfort getting a little training back when i was still in college and part of the training there were six of us we listened to him explain things about evangelism three hours a day monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday that was the morning we'd break for lunch in the afternoon we go soul winning in the afternoon, as we would go soul winning, we would spend two to three hours a day soul winning. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Now, the first week, I led one person to Christ, and I loved it. Second week, I led nobody to Christ. Third week, nobody to Christ. Fourth week, 16 people to Christ. You say, wow. Brother Comfort must have taught you how to witness. You want to know something? He never ran over how to witness one single day. We came in, and we already had our way of witnessing. He was teaching us things about evangelism. So you say, well, why was it then, the fourth week, you saw 16 people come to know Christ, and the first week only one, the second none, third none. Why did the big difference all I can tell you is this. The last week, whenever I went soul winning, before I ever went soul winning, I spent 30 minutes just praying that God would use me as I went soul winning. Now, do you see what that shows us? Our voice is insufficient in itself. But if we would be praying, we could be used. Now, we have a voice. Life 
and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So speak. But the insufficiency, one voice, our voice alone, cannot change lives. God has to be working for our voice to be effective. So how important is it that we are right with God? I remember being in a church. First time I went there, they had 200 people. Good meeting. Second time I went there, 400 people. Third time I went there, 600 people. Not exaggerating. Fourth time I went there, two years later, 800 people. I went there a few years later, 1,200 people. But you know what happened then? We began to see it go down and then down and then down. And it's not about the size of the church building. But when he called me up, he said, we're struggling a little bit. I said, what do you think's going on? He says, I think I just got a little lazy. I think I just lost my heart. He said, I'm just going to start rolling up my sleeves and preaching again. So I thought, amen. And he's going to preach again. And he got up and he preached. But he kept going down and he kept going down and he kept going down. Now, there could be many factors in that. It may not be anything to do with that ministry. It may be that the ministry is right where it needs to be, and people don't want that kind of ministry. But you know what it really was, I believe? It was found out that he was involved in an affair. And do you know, the last two sermons that he ever preached in that church, number one, thou shalt not lie, and honestly, the last sermon he ever preached, thou shalt not commit adultery. And he preached... And his voice was powerful. It seemed to be powerful. But it was insufficient. Why? Because he no longer had God working with his voice. Now, folks, we know that the souls in the community and the souls that we are having in our neighborhood and the, the souls around us and the people we see are going to spend eternity somewhere forever. Wouldn't that be in itself a good enough reason for us to speak? You would think that we would speak, but we don't. Why? I don't know. I think maybe we don't think it'll make a difference. So we don't. But it will make a difference. Now, she spoke, and Moses was saved. The power and the future was in her voice. And it's in our voice. The insufficiency of our voice. We've got to not only speak, but we've got to be right with God. We've got to talk, but we've got to live and talk. We've got to pray. Now, I would give you a challenge, and we'll never keep record of it, but I would give a challenge to us if we really want to reach souls that we get up in the morning and we go to God and we say, God, today, use me to do something for someone. Today, not tomorrow, not I hope sometime, but today. And immediately begin to think, who do you want me to bring life to? Whose storm do you want me to calm? Who do you want me to speak to and make 
a difference in. And then I would challenge us to pray for personal holiness every day. God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? Why? Because our voice is insufficient. And unless we're truly walking with God, we're not going to have any life in our voice. And then, I would also challenge everybody, and I will never write it down, that we need to start praying for unsaved people to be saved. You know, you can tell when a church is backslidden when all they pray for is sick people. And I would challenge us, pray for personal holiness. Pray and get connected to God. But I also would challenge you, pray for unsaved people because your voice is totally insufficient in itself. But with Him and with our God being with our voice, we speak and it'll be sufficient. Now, the last thing that I want to draw us to and challenge us with is the inspiration for the voice. The inspiration for your voice. All right, turn back here to Exodus chapter 2, and we'll look at verse 4. It says, And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. Again, the sister stood afar off to see, to wit, to find out what would be done to him. Now, question, why did that sister stand there watching? Do you think that the mother said, Miriam, you go out there and you watch your brother before you watch TV? Or you are in trouble. Do you think that the mother said, get out there and you stand and watch your brother? I don't think so. Because that's not even hidden, hinted at in the context. All it says was that she stood to see, to wit, what would happen to him. And you know why she went out there? Because she loved that little guy. See what I'm saying? She loved him. And I think she wanted to know what would happen to him. I think she wanted to just do everything she could. If that thing fell over, she'd have been in. And she'd put him right back in that basket. If there was a danger that was coming by, she would have been there. Why? She loved him. And I think that she loved her brother. And I think that when the lady came along, Pharaoh's daughter, and she says, what's that? In her heart, she's going, oh, no. No, no, God. And I think that as she said, go fetch that baby, she's thinking, oh, God, no, please, God, no. No, though, Lord, that's Pharaoh's daughter. Please, God, don't let her see him. Don't let her see him. And sure, she's saying, oh, no. And then the lady says, uh, it's a Hebrew child. And she's thinking, what's going to happen? It's going to break mom's heart if he's killed. It'll break my heart. And that emotion and that love, she thought, what do I do? And then she thought, well, speak. And I think she spoke because she loved. And you know, folks, we know that we should witness, but we don't. Am I right? How many feel bad sometimes because you know that you should witness, but you don't? 
Okay? How do we fix it? This is how. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Speaketh. 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 Now, here's what we do. If we fix the heart, we fix the mouth. And so, what we have to do is have this thing, this same thing that she had in her, her heart was there, and it was filled with love, so she spoke. Now, what we have to do is get back in love with the souls of men instead of being in love with ourselves. Get back in love with the souls of men instead of being in love with um, our sin. Get back in love with people. My brother Paul went to heaven four years ago, and when he was sick, I was brokenhearted. That's my brother. And I remember fasting and praying and saying, Oh, God, save him. Lord, you can heal him. You made him. You can heal him. All you've got to do is tell those white blood cells to kill those cancer cells, and it's done. And I said, God, it's a light thing for you to save him. And that goes along with Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And as we talked about this morning, that goes right along with we know that God loves us. Be persuaded of it. Even if things happen that we don't like. Totally confident that he loves us. So I decided not to look at the things I don't understand. Why did you take him? You could have healed him, but you didn't. You said fasting makes a difference. You said prayer makes a difference, but you didn't heal him. Why? And all of those questions. Rather than looking at the things we don't understand, I choose to look at the things I know. He loves me, and he's never going to do me wrong. And all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to purpose. So it's working out for good. Now, with all that, I just said that. I wanted to say why I wanted my brother to be here so much. He just loved me. And isn't it nice to be loved? I could be the biggest dork, and he would still love me. I remember Paul, when he got cancer, he wasn't supposed to be in the church services, but he went to the church services. And his wife, Kim, would say, Paul, you're not supposed to be down here. You're supposed to be listening over the radio. You're supposed to be up in your room so you don't get germs. You can't be here. And he'd say, Kim, I'm staying. And he would talk to people who would shake their hands, but he would talk to the people, and he had cancer, but he was there, and Kim would say, come on, Paul, we got to go, we got to go. Just a minute, just a minute, just a minute, and talk to people. And when I was talking to Paul, I said, Paul, you need to listen to your wife. I said, you need to not come to these services. Doctor told you not to come. And you know what Paul said? I just love people. I just love people. And you know what? That's what I want to be. I want to be somebody who just loves people. The last time that I was with my brother, the second to last time, be honest, the second to last time I was with him, I went to Canada, drove all the way to Canada for a few days just so I could be with him because I knew he wasn't here long. And he was still able to stand. And when I left, I said, see you, Paul. He said, boy, Mike, I'm walking away, and I'm thinking, this is the last time I'll probably ever see him. So I turned around and looked at him again, and I said, 
Man, I wish I was you. Because <laughs> he loves people. Paul says, no, I wish I was you. He wishes he was his face, maybe, but not. No, I'm kidding. But why did I want to be Paul? He loved people. And you know what we need to pray? We need to pray, Lord, help us not to pretend to love people. Help us to love them. And why is it that we're not witnessing? It's because we don't love. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And a heart that loves will lead to a mouth that speaks. And a heart that has no love in it will have a mouth attached to it that has no speech in it. The heart that love speaks. The heart without love will be silent. So you know what we need to do, folks? We need to get back what they had in the 1970s and 1980s in our independent fundamental Baptist churches. A passion for souls. Now, what's coming out of your mouth? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's coming out of your mouth? Is there a whole lot of... Well, he said it to me, and he's not going to tell me. You love yourself. What's coming out of your mouth? Well, Brother Bloom... And in that school over there, those young people... What's in your mouth shows what's in your heart. And if what's coming out of your mouth is a whole lot of criticism and complaining, you better fix your heart. And what comes out of your mouth is showing what's in your heart. And you know what? You and I have used this mouth for good before, haven't we? And if we're not careful, we're going to slip and start using what should be used for good for bad. I think about Marion. She is at this very moment speaking up and said, Would you like me to get a Hebrew woman, take care of this child and bring it back to you? And she spared the man, her brother, spared all the men, spared the nation of Israel as Moses delivered them. She spoke and there was life in her voice. That same woman later on was the very one who was complaining. And that same voice that was used to save life, she became critical of the very one that was saved by her voice, Moses. And God said, Miriam, Aaron, you've been complaining, struck her with leprosy. Now, we can be people that use our voice for good, and if we're not careful, that very same voice can very much be used for evil. So how we control what comes out of our mouth, if things come out of our mouth, is we fix our hearts and we get them back in love with people. Now, can you think of the last time you spoke and tried to witness to somebody? All right, let's just be honest, okay? Be honest. Ask yourself, can you think of somebody outside of the box of Central Baptist Church. You're teaching a Sunday school class. You're in the box. You're in the Christian school. Those people need somebody to speak to them. But you're in the box. 
even of the Christian school, you're in the box of all the duties and the work that you do here. Can you think of a time recently in the last month that you spoke outside of the box? Then it's a good test to show you that your heart's getting self-absorbed. Now, how many want to be people that love other people more than they love themselves? You want to be somebody who loves others more than you love yourself. Amen? Amen. If you agree with that, would you kind of lift up a hand? I want to be somebody who loves people more than I love myself. I don't want to be self-absorbed. Can we change our heart? Yes, we can change it. How? God says, men, love your wives. Evidently, we can. Set your affection on things above. Evidently, we can set it. Keep thy heart with all diligence. I guess we can. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. I guess we can choose to love God. We can choose to love people. Not love ourselves. And if we choose, we fix our heart. I know, I know that I'm going to give an invitation, and I know you expect that. And I also know that some things will seem more significant when preached than other things. But I'm telling you, there's nothing more significant than this thing. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So the only way to fix our mouth is to fix our heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And I know what's going to happen. If we do this invitation, we don't really think of the truth of what we're saying. There'll be a drippling of people coming down here. Maybe a handful of people. But I honestly think that some people think that all we want is to get people down the aisle so that we look good. No. We need to give people's heart back in love with God and with people. And the only way to do that is to decide. Lord, I can't think of the last time I ever witnessed God. Help me to love people. Again. Now, there's life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And with that in mind, we need to be using our tongue. Speak. There's life in the voice. 